For sure. I, I can't even, exp- you know, it's been just enormous personal growth the whole way through. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest wins that you can get from, you know, investing. And just like you said, it's, it's not just like, you know, about making money. Money's like fake stuff. It's like a, yeah. it's like a resource that's not even real, right? Basically. Right. Yeah. Um, but what you get and what, you, how you grow, it stays with you forever. You are listening to the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show, the podcast dedicated to empowering you to invest for your family's future. Listen in to learn about different strategies successful investors use to live their best lives. Whether you are starting out on your real estate wealth building journey or a seasoned investor looking for the next unfair advantage, this is the show for you. Each conversation will help you be more savvy when it comes to understanding how to leverage real estate to achieve your goals and live an extraordinary life. Your host is none other than seasoned investors and power couple, Jose and Khadija Jafferji, founders of the Savvy Real Estate Group, where we have been helping passive investors grow their wealth and getting them one step closer to financial freedom since 2008. Hey, fellow Savvy Real Estate Investors, thanks for tuning in. Uh, You know, the weather's finally getting a little bit cooler. We're in the end of September. Kids are all back at school, um, all settled in. And I think most of us parents are finally settling back into our own routines, um, you know, with work and realigning our goals and just really putting our heads back down and getting to work. So it's uh, definitely an interesting time to be in real estate. Lots of things are changing constantly, especially you know, the hot buzz topic right now is interest rates and how that's affecting our decisions. So, I mean, Jose, maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit about what, what you think is going on in the market and, and really how interest rates are changing and, and how that's affecting our business decisions. Yeah, for sure. Right now, you know, we are just kind of on a holding pattern, trying to be patient, which is uh, which is very hard to do, especially uh, you know, we're so used to acquiring a few deals a year, you know, meeting our goals. But, you know, we're, we're because of the market conditions, we're just trying to figure out what, you know, what the next steps are going to be. We currently have a deal in Atlanta that we're working on, which uh, we're raising equity for and just waiting for, for closing. Uh, however, before, uh, besides that, that, you know, we're just kind of on a holding pattern to, Try to make the broker connections, trying to build that relationship, and and uh, get cash ready because I think more opportunities are going to come in the near future. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely a time where you know I think all investors should be um, heavily analyzing their moves, whatever those moves are, and uh, making really sound decisions because uh, it's definitely a time of change and things are constantly changing. So anyway, that's just our take on it. Um, you know, we we're, we are still actively investing. We are still looking for deals. We're wrapping up uh, several of our large projects here in Ontario, working uh, hard to get uh, to the finish line on our Atlanta deal. But um, yeah, just, just really watching and waiting like many other people are. But Anyway, um, enough about us. I'd like to uh, talk about our guest today. Uh, we have Michael Lee on our show. Um, Michael's a real estate entrepreneur. Um, he's focused on virtual flipping and wholesaling, and uh, now he's branched into some short-term rentals as well. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, Michael, you know, we're going to get into how Michael got started and uh, he grew so rapidly in a, in a short period of time. And, and that was mostly because of his ability to make quick decisions and, and take massive action. So um, really excited about this show. Yeah. And I mean, just to add there, um, Michael has an impressive track record. Um, he's completed over two deal, 200 sorry, deals across Ontario since he started just in 2018. So definitely think this will be a great episode. Um, here's Michael. Hey, welcome to the show. We have Michael Lee uh, today. Michael, uh, tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into real estate, uh, maybe you know your past uh, corporate life if you had uh, something like that. Okay. Um, starting with my past corporate life. So from a young age, I'm 33 right now. I'm, I'm still pretty young. But um, from let's say high school till 33, I was doing all kinds of entrepreneurial ventures without even realizing I was an entrepreneur. Like I was the guy at the high school that was selling the sneakers, the rubber bands, you know, and I didn't realize I was an entrepreneur back then. I tried to work corporate, but I really wasn't a good fit. So I had this idea when I was younger that I, I just didn't understand how to be a business person. I didn't understand how to be an employee. Eventually, I realized that it's because I was an entrepreneur. So I got into sales. That started going very well for me. Eventually, I started uh, various companies. And prior to real estate, I was... Um, one of the partners in a solar panels um, brokerage. So we were, we were brokering residential solar panel installations. That went pretty good for a few years. And then I, I was looking for something new to get into. And that's when I came across the uh, idea of real estate wholesaling, and investing and wholesaling. And it's, it's funny that, uh, that you asked me that, Jose, because the very day that I started getting into wholesaling, you were right there. It was a networking event and you were one of the speakers. So oh, yeah, nice. <laughs> it's funny how things go full circle, you know? <laughs> for sure, for sure. Well, since then, like, you know, it hasn't been too long, like just a few years and you've obviously done really well for yourself um, with, with a lot of multiple strategies that you're implementing and we're going to get into that. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, you know, maybe, maybe we take us back. So, you know, you, you decided that you, you know, this is something you wanted to do. Um, you know, how did you get started? Uh, what was your plan and what was your initial strategy? Okay. So when I got started, I'm at this networking event, Jose speaking, there's some other wholesalers that are speaking. And there was one wholesaler in particular that was discussing how as a case study, how they did a $70,000 assignment fee. And I've heard about wholesaling in the past, but I thought it was only happening in America. So I was just blown away. It's like, wow, I have to do this. And um, the very beginning, I didn't have, I had sales skills, but I didn't have any connections and I didn't have any capital. Right. So I wanted to plug in my skill set into something I could take advantage of in real estate. And I thought I saw wholesaling as a way that I could get involved. So I jumped right into the wholesaling. Yeah, that's cool. So, um, you know, how are you able to penetrate the market? I mean, the market has changed significantly. Maybe we can talk about that right now, even in terms of wholesaling. So you're absolutely sure. right that even when we heard about wholesaling the very first time, we were like, nope, that's something that doesn't exist in Canada. Like that's something that 
only happens in the US, right? And then all of a sudden there was this sort of surge of people who kind of caught on to this idea that no, like this can work in Canada too, right? And so maybe, um, you know, talk to us about that. And, uh, you know, if someone was looking to get into wholesaling, uh, what, what, what do you need to do? Like, how do you start wholesaling? Yeah, that's funny because uh, I mean, you guys are going to know who I'm talking about. I'm not going to name any names, but uh, one of the speakers that day had a background as a lawyer, right? Uh, and so I was like, whoa, what is this? Like, is this yeah. even legal? And he's like, actually, yes, I could tell you it is legal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm, I'm doing this. Yeah. So uh, as far as um, how you do it in the market conditions, it's interesting because that was 2018 and the market had gone through a correction in 2017. Yes. I was kind of on the, the, I think the market was starting to go up already, but people were still very scared when I got involved in wholesaling. So I think it was more of a balanced market at the time. Now I think in the current market situation, we're in more of a buyer's market at the moment. And um, how that affects wholesaling is you need to have an amazing networking skill. You got to have great connections with buyers because it's going to ultimately be those relationships that are going to take deals to the finish line in wholesaling. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and I mean, so tell us when, like how long ago was this, uh, this few years ago, and now you're up to uh, 200 deals. Uh, like how did you jump from in, in such a short period of time? Uh, like how did you scale that business so quickly? Okay, there's there's a few things that happened, and I think it all just kind of fell into place. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's all coincidence or luck, but there's obviously an aspect of luck to it. And then there was a lot of you know repetitive efforts and doing things the right way. So, um, like I said, when I started, no connections, no capital. So my first mission was to develop the wholesaler skill set which involved me speaking to sellers. So anyone that had a phone number that even had an indication that they were selling their property, I was calling them. And I knew that most of that was not going to lead to business. But I figured that this is the fastest way to learn what motivated sellers are and how to communicate with them and how to actually get great deals. The next steps for me were to actually network with investors, buyers, people that could bring capital to the table. Um, and ultimately connect them with the deals, right? So I was going to every networking event I possibly could. I was meeting as much investors, investors as I could. And um, how it all played out for me in real life was the first... That was 2018. So the first six months or so, I was getting about one deal wholesaled per month. And most people will talk about all their successes and and they don't tell you about any of the failures, right? So I'll tell you guys right now, like I got, a, I got maybe the first six months, I, I actually successfully wholesaled six deals, but I probably got like 20, 20 or 25 deals under contract and like did not actually su successfully wholesale them. So, yeah. um, you know, if anyone's going to tell you this, this is like an easy way to get into real estate. It's, it's definitely not the easiest strategy. It takes a lot of effort and hard work. Um, but that was like my training wheels stage. After that, I was basically seasoned. And on my seventh deal, I came across a property that uh, um, it got appraised for 275 when I was in the, when I had it under contract, it got appraised for 275. Um, I picked it up for 175 and I decided to actually 
close on it with private money that I, I connections that I built up through all the networking. Yeah. Right. So I met a broker. He got me a, a loan to my appraised value. And I was able to close on this property. And I was very scared, but I, I had, I was able to close on the property with no money down at all. Yeah. yeah. And then I, I basically just wholetailed it. I just, I just took it from wholesale buying price, closed on it, and then sold it again. And we made about 70K on the deal. And I just, I just deployed all that capital right back into my own business and everything started to snowball from there. Mm-hmm. So as in, as in you put in more money into, towards marketing to get more leads, uh, right? And then maybe hire people to uh, scale this up. Absolutely. So I think what I did with that money, like I went out for dinner (laughs) just to congratulate myself. And then I just put all the money right back in the business. And what that did for me was I went from doing about one deal a month to about four deals a month right away. And everything started snowballing from there. Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. And I love hearing stories like that, you know, so I was listening to a podcast the other day about, you know, leverage, right. And how leverage is the key to growth. And he explained it so beautifully is that, you know, the leverage is the difference between your input and your output. And the more output you get with the least amount of input is leverage. So you can leverage money, you can leverage time, you can leverage labor, you can leverage all these things, but ultimately you're leveraging something to increase your output. Right. And that's exactly what you did. So maybe tell me about leverage. Like what did you leverage to increase? So you're getting one deal a month and now you've exploded four times that to four deals a month. Um, what did you do to, to get there? Okay. So a few things happened around that time. So number one leverage was money. So this is like the most money that ever come into me at that point in time in my life. I was blown away. Like I remember looking at that that check when I closed on the pro- when I sold the property and closed on it, and I was like, "Wow, I just can't believe how I could make all this money so easily. This is insane." Yeah, yeah <laughs> it is insane. Yeah, some people don't even make that in a year, right? Absolutely. So that I just I just left. I took advantage of that and used that those funds as leverage. But th- I actually did another crucial move at that time. Um, one of the people that bought had purchased one of my wholesales prior to that, they had sold their wholesale. They, they had flipped the property that I sold to them and they called me back. And it, I remember this very clearly, like it was Christmas holidays in 2018. Like, and it wasn't, it was like a obscene time of the night too. Like it was just, didn't make sense that like he called me at this time, but he was just so excited. So he called me, I think at about 11 o'clock at night. And he's like, I just sold this property. We need to get more properties and let's do it together. Let's flip these properties. And this person had a background in, in, in renovations and flipping, right? So we partnered on, um, I don't know, the first, we partnered on several deals moving forward. And that's how I actually transitioned into not just wholesaling, but also flipping as well, because I was able to leverage that person's uh, expertise that I didn't currently have at that moment. Right. So we were able to just accelerate both of each other's um, growth at that moment. Right. So you were um, basically, you were the one who was finding the deals, getting them under contract. And then you guys were working together through his channels and expertise to to basically renovate the properties. Correct. So so that person had been involved in real estate for like, I think uh, 10 or 12 years at that point in time. And, um, 
very deep Rolodex of contacts with contractors, with financing as well. So um, we were able to pretty much right away scale up our, like I, when I started flipping, I didn't flip, like that first flip was the only time I flipped one house. Like right. since then yeah. I've been flipping multiple houses at once. Yeah. And it, it was only possible because of those connections that took place. Right. And and so I know that your your deals are, I mean, that one of the smart things you did was you went into less competitive areas where you could, you know, potentially find maybe juicier profits um, uh, and then with less competition from other wholesalers, perhaps, right? Absolutely. I so would you say mean, that was your competitive advantage, you know? I think it is um, or was one of my competitive advantages. So I think that a lot of people as investors, they want to stick to a certain geographic area. And that I believe location is super important in investing. Like it definitely is important, but I believe that the discount compared to the value of the property is just as important as the location. So for, you know, you mentioning certain areas, right? Like we picked up, I'm trying to think of some properties I picked up in my first year. I picked up a property in Dundalk, Ontario, but it was like rural Dundalk. You guys know where that is? No, I don't even know where that is. <laughs> it's like 40 minutes northwest of Orangeville, let's say. It's like a very rural area. Okay. Um, and we picked it up for like just over a hundred grand at the time. And we 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 observed, like we noticed that land was selling around there for like close to 200 grand. And renovated houses were like four to five hundred grand. So we we're like, oh man, like let's just flip this, right? So that's and that's what we did. Um, whereas like, I know that other buyers had actually looked at the exact same deal at the time. I remember it clearly and nobody else wanted to pull the trigger. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I know. That's awesome. Yeah, no, for sure. It's, uh, you know, uh, that discomfort is what was your competitive advantage because everyone else was uncomfortable with that sort of unknown territory, right? Everybody likes to stick and is comfortable with the areas that they know and that they've traditionally worked in. And, um, you know, the further you go out, the more unknowns, right? Yeah. I mean, including us, including like us, we, we, we wouldn't buy that. Yeah. Kind of we wouldn't. Cause we're, we're just not comfortable <laughs> with it. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it's so that's good for you. Yeah, absolutely. So, Thank I mean, you. um, maybe we can just fast forward today. Talk to us a little bit about what your business looks like, what your structure looks like. Um, do you have staff and, um, you know, how are you managing sort of this, this business today? Okay. So where we are today, I have a division of my company that's wholesaling. Uh, we have a division that's flipping properties. Um, and then we also have a short term rental division that we basically started up about a year ago. Um, and we're growing that. Um, in terms of my team, we have, I, I, I should have counted this up before I got on the call. <laughs> um, so my, my girlfriend helps part-time in the business as an administrator to have a virtual assistant for myself. I have an acquisition person. I have a disposition person. I have a project manager, and then we have a full-time marketing person. I might be missing one or two people, but that's, that's the core of the team. <laughs> Yeah, oh, for sure. Amazing. And now you've basically brought all of your um, flipping in-house as well, is what is my understanding? Yes. Yeah. So uh, it took me a while to understand flipping on my own, but uh, 
after getting through several flips, I've been through a lot of them now and gained a lot of experience. So I've taken that in house. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, so we record these podcasts ahead of time sometimes, but I am, I'm, I'm pretty sure the market's not going to have changed too much from now till when this podcast gets released. So maybe talk to us a little bit about the market because the market, you know, it's interesting. Like 2018 was a great time to, to have started in this business. Um, the market was definitely sort of at its infancy of growth and what continued to be a massive trajectory of growth over the last couple of years. Um, and now we're in a different time now. So talk to us about how you're navigating the current market and um, you know how any investor can navigate what's happening right now, especially especially relevant in your business because um, you know there's a lot of fear in the market right now. Yes. So, okay. I consider, I'm going to start by saying wholesaling, but wholesaling means basically any properties I'm buying, whether they're flips or wholesales, right? Um, So I consider wholesaling relatively recession-proof because when the market goes down, all you do is you just adjust your price down to go with the market, right? So what this has led to for, what this has led to for us is that um, when we speak to a seller now, compared to last year, the, the conversations have actually flipped. And what I mean by that is last year, we would have sellers telling us, I've got, <laughs> give me your price because I got 20 other guys coming by today. <laughs> They'll give me their price. I'll decide whatever's best for me, right? Yeah. Now we can actually tell sellers, we have 20 other people calling us today that want to sell their house. <laughs> And uh, we only can buy one of them. So if you want to sell your property for sure, you, you really have to work with us. And these conversations, I mean, I'm not saying that in a mean way, yeah. but the conversations have completely changed, right? Sellers understand, um, I wouldn't say all of them understand, but a lot of them, they're smart people. Like they know the market's moving too and they're watching it, right? So um, if they are motivated to sell, we're getting better deals than we were last year. Nice. Yeah, that's good. That's good to hear. And what about your buyers? <laughs> yes. So, okay. People are still buying properties. I have noticed that there is fear in the market. As a wholesaler, what I've told my team is that, okay, you're going to have a harder time flip, selling wholesaling flip properties right now. So we need to get bigger discounts to make sure it makes sense for our buyers. Um, We've also been, we've also allowed a little more flexibility than we did in the past. Whereas like last year, we put out a wholesale property and uh, we'd wholesale it in um, like a day or so, like firm offer, no conditions, big deposit. Um, Now we're looking to get things done like inspections, appraisals. So we provide like a little bit of a layer of security for our buyers. Um, What else can I tell you about the buyers? I've... I had discussions with my team about this as well. And we fit, we feel that landlords are still very aggressively buying right now. Yeah. People that don't necessarily need to liquidate the property right away. Yeah. And because they're taking advantage of these, the market's great prices, right? So what I like to tell people, a lot of people have talked to me about the market recently. Like I feel like so many people reach out to me every week about it. And um, the position I'm taking on the market is basically that there's there's no good market. There's no bad market. There's just seller's market and buyer's market. So right now is the time for buyers, really. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. No, and it's interesting you say that because, 
you know, now more than ever, especially for buy and hold investors, I can see that the numbers make sense on a lot of properties. You know, whereas, you know, in February, the numbers made absolutely no sense. People were picking up, you know, duplexes. We saw duplexes in like Durham region selling like well over a million dollars. Like I won't even tell you how much over a million dollars they were selling for. Um, Far over. (laughs) Yeah. Whereas now, you know, we're seeing people, things have, things have come back down. There's one duplex that we've been watching on the market just out of curiosity in Hamilton, where we invest a lot in, where it's been on the market for a long time and it's not priced unreasonably at all. So, um, you know, even at the price that it's listed at, like, I'm like, well, that makes sense now. Like it, you can at least cash flow on this property. So yeah, for buy and hold investors, to me, it's a no brainer. Like you got to buy based on the numbers, not on the market sentiment and the numbers make sense right now. They do. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, uh, sorry, just to ahead. add, like, especially from a, from a buy and hold investor, the, the rents are, are strong, Super they, strong. St- stronger than they've ever been. Um, the, you know, the, we're, we're getting like just for a two bedroom, like $2,000 plus. Yeah. So small, it's, it's definitely, exactly. definitely, uh, you know, for a smart buy and hold investor right now is, is like buying season yeah. because you, you're not going to get these types of deals. You, you, you can really, uh, you know, people are not afraid to put in low ball offers now. Uh, there, there's huge supply, um, and you can negotiate the price down to whatever makes sense for you. Um, and, and rental demand, as I said, is, is strong. So, you know, in the, you can ride this out for the next year or so until things kind of, I think personally going to go back, back on track when the rates go down again. Absolutely. Uh, guys, I, like right now, for anyone that's listening, I'm not even telling you to buy from our wholesales directly. Like you yeah. can go on MLS. There's deals everywhere. There is. If you're yeah. a buyer, just make offers. Yeah. Make for offers. Sure. You can make offers on MLS for like a hundred grand under asking, no problem. And you're probably gonna get something. Yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. And maybe so we've talked a lot about the wholesale. We've talked about some of the flipping. Uh, you mentioned the short-term rental. Talk to us about you know, why you pivoted into short-term rental and what that, what that's looking like for you. I started to revisit at a certain point. I think I was maybe like two years into wholesaling and flipping, which is like purely active income. And you're always seeing these big checks coming in. And it's like, it's at first it's mind blowing. It's always mind blowing to be honest with you. (laughs) It's just like when you don't have money, when you start out and then you start seeing big money coming in, it's it's like really mind blowing. Um, But I started thinking about some of the properties we had sold over time. And even sometimes I'd look back and see what happened with them. And then I'd see that people uh, who had held some of our wholesales for like two or three years, and then they sold them for so much more than I had sold them to them for. Or, you know, I, I see people that turned some of my flip properties into rental properties and it got me thinking that I really should consider the passive income side of the business because the, the reality is that you know even if you're making a lot of active income, it could change at any moment. Or you know, not only could it change at any moment, it's not going to last forever. Period. You yeah. know, you, you eventually cannot move at the same pace forever, right? So, and I I see flipping as like a very young man's game. Like it's 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 a lot of things happening, right? So. Um, am I going to be flipping properties when I'm like 70 years old? Probably not. Right. So, yeah. 
<laughs> I got to start building a portfolio though, if I want to support that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, exactly. No, 100%. I mean, that, that's what we just recently discussed that, you know, from our flipping business perspective, obviously things have changed. And like, well, I've got a couple of properties on the market right now where we're trying to, to sell, but, you know, it's taking a lot longer. But we also look at the, hey, we have a strong rental portfolio that is, you know, actually now is cash flowing really well. Uh, and, you know, we can ride out the next couple of months or years, even if we have to, without doing any active income, you know, generating any active income. So that is, you know, th that's why we, we always believed in the long term as well as the short term simultaneously. Yeah. And it's not about timing the market, they say, right? It's about time in the market. And uh, we've been through the waves. We started buying 10 years ago, over 10 years ago, and, you know, it goes up and down and up and down, but it's, it, you know, it's, it's ultimately that time is event, eventually that portfolio is going to slow and steady increase and your debt gets paid down and the rents are increasing because rental demand is never going away. Right. Especially in strong markets, like in Ontario, where we invest. So yeah, no, definitely. So talk to us. So you decided, okay, I, I need to build a portfolio. Why did you decide that short-term rental was going to be your strategy? Again, uh, somewhat more of an active strategy, but still integrating the buy and hold. Okay. So this is going to be the first time I mentioned this on any kind of podcast. Um, before I actually got involved in wholesaling, I was looking into real estate and I came across short-term rental arbitrage. And I had actually purchased some courses and things like that. So like I already had researched into it. I think I just genuinely had an interest towards short-term rentals, right? And I never forgot about that. So um, right now it's August, August 20, 2022. Okay, so a year ago in July of 21, um, I was having a conversation with an investor friend of mine and he had a vacant rental property. It was furnished as well, by the way. Um, so vacant furnished rental. And he had told me it was vacant in the beginning of the pandemic. So I was like, wait, is this the same property that you told me was vacant from the start of the pandemic? He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, why did you just leave it vacant? It's like, oh, I'm too, you know, I don't want to get any crappy tenants. I'm just, I'll just let them up and keep appreciating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll rent it to the right person, but I just don't want any crappy tenants. So I was looking at that and I said, Hey, you know, would you be open to, to having me rent the place to put it on Airbnb? And he said, yeah, absolutely. Probably going to be the best tenant I've ever had. <laughs> and, um, so we did that and it started cash flowing right away. Um, around that time, it was the same month. I actually, in my wholesaling business, picked up two cottages and I looked at the Airbnb, the short-term rental potential, and I was blown away. I, this is like the beginning of me seeing what the potential of short-term rentals is. I was yeah. just like blown away by how much they can produce. And um, so I closed on both of those properties and that's how it all got started. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, I mean... You, you know, the, that's the, the great thing about being in business, being an entrepreneur is that you're, you're seeing these opportunities and you're taking action very quickly. Like we all have had to pivot very quickly because the way the market changed, it was like from the peak, like it started going, you know, uh, cooling off fairly quickly. So it's, it's, you know, kudos to you that you, you actually uh, pivoted very quickly and, and you saw the opportunity, you did your research because that's the other thing, right? Like 
a lot of people talk about short-term rentals or they talk about multifamily, but many, they take years to take action. Yeah. Right? Go to like 500 seminars and, you know, what, what, listen to 15 podcasts and then they're still like, Oh, I don't know if this is for me. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's that, I think that that's, so apparent in this conversation for all our listeners is just your speed of implementation has always been like you go to that seminar you're like yes I'm doing this you go you know you hear you see this opportunity you're like yes I'm doing this and and then you know you take that action very quickly and that speed of implementation is ultimately you know and and no one's going to say that it's going to be smooth sailing every step of the way but you learn as you go and while you're going, I'm sure you're learning, right? You're still going to those seminars and you're still listening to things and learning, but it's all very actionable now, right? Yes, absolutely. I think one of the things that I've realized in my own life, if I delay on or procrastinate on something and I actually give myself time to think about it too much, I stop doing it. Yeah. Like yeah. that's for me, if I don't take action almost immediately, I'll, I'll procrastinate and it just like falls by the wayside. So yeah. um, I remember that when I was beginning in short-term rentals, I, I literally just told that person, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm going to look into it. I'll call you back tomorrow. And that night I was speaking to, a, I went over to a family member's house and I was talking to them about it. And I was like, hey, like I'm already doing good with what I'm doing. Like, what about getting, what about doing this new thing? So maybe like, I'm thinking about doing it, but I don't know if I should do it. And he basically said, what do you have to lose? You're going to furnish the place. I'm like, well, it's furnished already. He's like, well, then what are you going to lose? Like basically nothing. <laughs> you got nothing to lose. You might as well try it. I'm like, well, you're right. You have a pretty good point. Yeah. So I just yeah. did it. The next day I just jumped into it. Yeah, nice. for sure. And I know we've talked a lot about strategy here and you know you're a fairly young guy um how do you keep yourself motivated like what is your why why what is driving you i mean like you already said you're you know you already got this wholesale business and now you have this flipping business you're already successful and you know now you've added short-term rentals and we've had a few conversations offline about some other strategies you're looking into and some other locations you're potentially looking to diversify into um what is your motivator like what is you know what is continuing to push you to to continue to grow or to, to try all these different things. Okay. So I've thought about this before. A lot of people have asked me this. I'm part of various like other masterminds coaching programs. And that's probably the number one question people like to ask in those masters. When you join a mastermind or you get coaching, everyone's going to ask you, everyone that works with you is going to ask you that question. And I've never really had a great answer to that. Um, but I took a lot of time to really think about that. And um, what I came to was the reason why is to have the best life possibly can. Right. So that, that's what it, what that means to me is you do what you want, when you want and how you want. Yeah. Right. For sure. So time, freedom, money, freedom, and Correct. just basically agency to make decisions however you wish. Definitely. Um, I could probably give you guys a lot more detailed explanations, but like, that's really what it boils down to. Yeah. Right? 100%. And, yeah. A lot yeah. of entrepreneurs will give you a similar rendition about, you know, freedom and what that means to them, but ultimately it comes down to some level of freedom. Yes. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, yeah. I mean, we're, 
kind of yeah did you uh, yeah i i I heard you know you've been kind of exploring the u.s market uh i don't know is that just preliminary just maybe tell us a little bit about that side of things okay so this is something new for me i basically i i figured out that i'd like to join to, to to start investing in the states um the reasoning behind it is partially for lifestyle purposes so that ties into the why right yeah um, I don't love Canadian winters, so I'd love yeah. to spend them in warmer places, uh, like Florida, for example. Yeah. And um, as I started to look into investing in the States, I started finding out that there's a lot of advantages to that. You know, like there's better weather, there's better treatment to uh, in certain states, you get landlord friendly states, you have better tax treatment, for example, right? Um, there's higher cash flow on, on properties in relative to the purchase price, right? So as I started to investigate this, I, I basically decided that this is probably, this is definitely something that I, I'd like to go for. Um, and so this year I've spent probably about six to eight weeks this year uh, traveling in the States, going to different States, just scoping out the markets. I have started making offers on properties and I, I managed to get a couple of them. I managed to get something under contract, uh, but uh, I haven't closed on anything just yet. Oh, oh that's, that's cool. Great. Again, you got some speed going there. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. So commendable. Yeah, for sure. And, and are you looking to implement like a short-term rental strategy there? Um, multifamily? Um, what sort of uh, type? Yeah, what's your primary yeah. sort of vehicle? I, I think that in the States is going to be a great buy and hold strategy for me. Uh, when I compare Canada versus the US, I really like that in Ontario, when it comes to wholesaling and flipping, like we can make some really, really lucrative flips. We can do some really lucrative assignment fees. And if you're going to go to a market where in the States, for example, where the, the average purchase price is like $200,000, you can't really expect that you're going to make, you know, $50,000 assignment fee, for example, wholesaling a deal like that, because exactly. the wholesale fee in, rela- in relation to the purchase price is just not there. Right. Um, however, I, I can buy a property for $200,000 from a motivated seller and I, it might be able to cash flow at like 20% cap rate, for example, right? So these things are possible, whereas they would be very difficult to do in, in Canada to, to find a property that could cash flow that heavily. Um, so for the U.S., I'm looking at it as a buy and hold strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any specific states uh, in the U.S. that you're looking at? Okay. Out of the states I've visited, I, I really like Tennessee. I like Florida. Um, I'm curious about some of the other states surrounding those, those areas as well, uh, places like Alabama, the Carolinas. Yeah. Um, and... I managed to get a property with with partners on the ground. We got a property in Ohio under contract. Ohio was off my radar completely. Um, but through the process of doing due diligence on that, it was a 17-unit portfolio. And nice. uh, through the process of doing due, due diligence on that portfolio, I saw that Ohio is very landlord-friendly, yeah. very mm-hmm. low purchase prices, very high cash flow. And it's right in our back door, basically. Like you could just drive down to Ohio in a day, no problem. So I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on Ohio as well. 
Yeah. Mm, cool. Only downside is you want to avoid the winter there <laughs> as much. <laughs> yeah. Still, still has a cold winter stuff. So. Yeah. 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 yeah, <laughs> but yeah sure. Ohio is definitely a great market. Uh, landlord friendly, like you said, business friendly. Um, and yeah, the pricing is okay, very attractive there. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Well, yeah, no, thank you for sharing all of this with us. Um, we usually like to ask our guests, um, is there sort of a quote or a saying that resonates with you or your life or, you know, something that you'd like to share? A quote that resonates with my life. Wow. Um, well, this has been on my Facebook for a very long time and it's uh, uh, be more, do more, achieve more. I like that one. Yes. Yeah. No, that's definitely a good one. Um, and I like the be more part too, you know? So um, I, I actually, we were just talking about this and, you know, it's, it's entrepreneurship is about who you become when you achieve those goals, right? When you set those goals and you achieve them and who you become in the process. Like when you started out in 2018, um, who was, who was that Michael Lee and who is the Michael Lee today? Right. And um I'm sure without doubt. I mean, yeah, besides that, like financial success, yeah, no, there's we're not been even a talking lot of about the other financial aspects success. that obviously, you know, you're you have evolved, evolved as a person, as a leader, as a business person, as a, you know, a, just as a friend, I'm sure, as a partner, all of these things change as you evolve, right? For sure. I, I can't even, exp you know, it's been just enormous personal growth the whole way through. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest wins that you can get from, you know, investing. It just like you said, it's it's not just like, you know, about making money. Money's like fake stuff. It's like a yeah. it's like a resource that's not even real, right? Basically, right? Yeah. Um, but what you get and what you, how you grow, it stays with you forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And uh, if people want to get in touch, we'll put it in our show notes as well. Uh, how, what's the best way for them to reach you? The best way to reach out to me is through Facebook, Michael Lee, or uh, through Instagram. You can find me um, at official Michael Lee. Okay, awesome. awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely add it in our show notes. If anybody's interested in reaching out or following along on Michael's journey, definitely should uh, follow him. Um, yeah. So thanks again for being on the show. We really enjoyed the conversation and, uh, thank you very much for having me. Yeah. yeah awesome. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the savvy real estate investor show. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If you liked this episode, please write a review and share it with us. We are getting the show up and running right now. So every message, every review and every note counts. This show exists to showcase how investors at any level can start using and leverage real estate to become savvy wealth builders. If you want to learn more about how we can potentially help you create more passive income and build your wealth faster, go to www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com. Once again, it's www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com. All right, that's a wrap. We can't wait to hang out with you on the next episode.